Welcome to that podcast with Semi Rye. This week, we're going to have some weird audio in and out uh, because me and my guest, Anthony, we're covering a lot of topics over the course of three days. We did the podcast, so we did it in a lot of different areas, but we talk about Will Smith's new book, great book. Um, we talk about a range of topics. We also talk about like, the podcast itself, some different things going on there. Uh, movies, music, we, we get on everything this week. And I thought it was a really good conversation. So bear with the audio quality as we cut in and out and we go to different takes and different locations. I think the conversation is interesting if you guys decide to hang out and listen, if you got nothing to do for an hour and 37 minutes, apparently, according to the runtime on this. But thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast and supporting it this long. Definitely have some fun things planned for next year. And hopefully you enjoy the conversation with me and Ant this week. All right. Hope you guys take care. Hello. Hey, Anthony. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to go live and hop right into the podcast. Um, and I'm going to do like a pre-recorded intro or recorded intro separately, like in a different audio clip. So that's just a... I figured that'd be an easier way to just hop in and, and do it from now on. Makes sense. Makes sense. I, I thought about that recently. I was like, I'm surprised he doesn't have one. Normally you're like really prepared with everything. Yeah, people have like, I noticed that they do like um different intros sometimes, like where they talk about like the podcast or something. And um, I don't think I really knew like what the podcast is. Like as it's growing, I'm always saying art and business. But more recently, I'm like, oh, I think I really know what I want to do with this podcast forever, which is still art and business, but more aimed towards helping other people, um, you know, not, not only like helping them with their art and business, but also like helping people kind of find what they love or re remember what they love about life in general, whether it's art and business or anything. Um, yeah. Cause like sometimes like we talk about like we're dads. So we talk about dad things and that's not really art and business necessarily. And I usually try to like reach. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like being a dad, is or it's like being a mom. It's kind of like in business. I'll try to have to like draw this parallel to make it fit into the confines of the podcast. But I can change the confines of the podcast and just make it more about, you know, art and business, but also more so about finding the love for your passion, whatever your passion is. And for some people, it's you know being a parent, or you know maybe more than one thing. So I think I'm going to do an intro, you know, explaining what the topic's going to be for the week and then maybe also explain the podcast for anybody who might be listening for the first time. And then they'll hop right into this and they'll just hear like, us talking and already, you know, doing what we're doing. That makes sense. And I think a lot of times, honestly, with, uh, you know, like being a parent, it's like, a, like you know, in any kind of relationship, it kind of has to be ran like a business almost. Like you got to know your roles. There got to be some kind of hierarchy. There has to be, you know, some kind of structure in order for anything to work. So it makes sense, you know, that you look at this podcast, not necessarily for art or business, but it kind of, you know, factors around just about life, I guess. You know, you bring people on, hear their stories, you know, and kind of like their passion about certain things. And it could be anyone from the person who organized, you know, the, the drag shows or someone like your mother who, you know, in her way, she has, she's a mother, but she also runs a successful business with uh, your stepfather. So, you know, we're in the end. Yeah, and I appreciate that, and that's great, because, I mean, that, that lets me know, obviously, that you told me, but, like, that reminds me that you've listened to so many of the podcasts, and that's, like, where my heart is. That's what it's always has been. It's just trying to sum that up into, like, two or three sentences to explain to someone. That's what I think was took me 30 episodes to kind of figure out, because that is what I really want. I mean, if I see someone who, I'm talking to people today online, who are artists and they're drawing, but the issue they're having is spreading their message through social media. So I'm like, oh, I can help with that. And then get into a conversation with them 
I'm like, I'm, I'm really enjoying the idea of me just helping you, you know, get yourself started on social media. So I'm like, so that conversation isn't necessarily about their art. It's about their social media or their lack thereof of social media. So I'm like, oh, I enjoy this. I enjoy talking to this person about this. And I also enjoy talking to, like you said, a mom about her business or a mom about being a mom um, or anything, really. I have a friend, Charles, I want to have on the show who does real estate. So, like, it's even though my, my forte that I enjoy is screenwriting and film, you know, there's really my passion, I think, is for life in general and people who enjoy doing things. I get excited when other people have passion. I also get excited when people want to learn. So, like, that makes me excited. So, I'm like, well, that should be what the podcast is about. That's where we all can kind of meet. Because even, like, with the drag show, like, that's a whole other venue that I don't know about. But, you know, he's a party planner. He's putting on these events. And then all the drag queens themselves. I'm always interested in the art behind drag queens, how they make up their art, how they make their costumes. And I'm, I'm just, like, genuinely always interested and in wanting to talk about all these things with everybody that I meet. So that's why the podcast is great because, like, anyone can come on and talk about whatever they want. And I think everyone can learn from each other, which I'm also big into. I really like the idea people starting to understand that just because like you're a mechanic and I'm like a baker, like we can learn about, you know, hard work. We can learn about how to deal with setbacks. Those are general things that all humans deal with. And I like talking about that a lot. I think, you know, and, and all like when we have our conversations, like you, me and Pete are our friends. That's the thing is we can get on so many topics because we're not so much interested in the topic. I think we're more interested in life and that whole process and thinking about how we deal with things. I think, and to your point, I think that's the, the, the community aspect of it. You know, like everyone kind of plays their part in the community, whereas they bring something to the table. And I think the podcast now, you know, for is a way for most people to kind of meet and, and, you know, I guess like organize together in a way that yeah. necessarily, you know, before you may not have any kind of reason to have a conversation with these people outside of just kind of, you know, just strike up conversation and, and meet new friends. But at the same time, it's allowing you to reach another audience, allowing them to reach another audience. It's allowing everyone to kind of come together and work together to achieve a common goal. And I think that's the beautiful thing behind, you know, the podcast. Like, I think, yeah, like you say, you're 30 episodes in and you're still learning. I think it's a beautiful thing that you're still learning because you're finding your groove. You're not coming to this, you know, coming to this with a finished product. You're learning as you go. And it's allowing you to be, you know, fluid, you know, to see which way works better for you. And at the end of the day, you, you can always learn no matter who you are. Like no one wants to kind of like, if you learn from someone else and it was like, you had to stick to this formula of doing it a certain way, it may not work. You may lose your passion for it. But I think the fact that you come in week in and week out, trying something different, finding your footing as you go along, I think it's a beautiful thing to see it grow from its infancy and to wherever it ends up to is a beautiful thing. You know, you have, you know, writers, directors, you know, people who organize community shows or, you know, people who run a, a small successful business, it, it really allows you to kind of like just spread your wings over so many different things or you pass an umbrella over so many different avenues, I guess is the better way of saying it. And to me, it's pretty cool. I, I enjoy it as it goes along. Like every week I tune in, it's like, all right, this is in a rotation. I'm going to get something genuine. I know I'm going to get something fresh and something new. Cause normally you don't get to see that when people have like, you know, successful podcasts. It kind of just pops up on your radar and it's like, oh, now I got to go search for these beginning episodes and a lot of times they may not even be available. 
Yeah, because a lot of people like don't want to show the not polished thing, and I get that. I've been there. I've I've deleted lots of old videos from YouTube and and things where I think as an artist you're always growing, and you look back at some things you did, and you're like, oh, that doesn't look as good. Let me hide that embarrassing thing because I want everyone to see the like the best polished thing that I'm currently doing. But as a, <laughs> would you say that's that corporate scrubbing politician? Yeah. Over yeah, exactly. I mean, every, I think everyone always wants to put their best foot forward. They're always afraid. And I get that. I can definitely see how someone, you know, if you have someone who comes view your page, you want them to see whatever it is, I guess, the best thing you're currently doing. But I think what I think about a lot besides, you know, trying to find people is my kids and my kids looking at what I did. And I love the idea of like the Facebook timeline which I feel like they kind of trying to get away from or mo- mo- a lot of social media tries to get away from. But I like the idea that when you look through someone's timeline or if you have those little reminders that show you like three years ago, this happened and stuff. I always think that stuff is cool because it, it shows you growth. And yeah. I think for your children, it's, there's not really, you can have maybe a journal or something like that, but a lot of people don't keep that. We all genuinely interact with social media. So it is actually creating a record of our life and what we did and how we grew and how our ideas changed. So when you go back and you scrub it, you, you lose some of that, right? You don't get that whole story. So if your kids are ever interested or anyone who comes along in the future ever interested in who you were and how you grew, when you go back and you start editing everything out of it, then you end up having this like picture perfect, you know, Facebook or like Instagram filter version of who you were and not who you really are. Plus, I don't I don't see the end. I don't think there's ever an end product, right? So I realized like, yeah, in five years, I'm gonna wanna delete what I did today. In ten years, I'm gonna delete what I did five years from now, right? Because I'm always growing as an artist. So I don't think we'll ever get to a point. You have Sebastian Stallone who's re-releasing Rocky. He's re-releasing, I think, Rocky Four, the one when he fights Ivan Drago. Because he's saying, you know, as a director, he's learned so much. And even something, I love Rocky, the Rocky when he fights Drago. Um, but he's saying that he even learned more. So he's lucky that in his point in his life, he can go back and remake a classic movie. He's, he's editing it even more. He's just changing a few things about it. Um, so he's saying, yeah, like even him, he's seeing this alone. You know, he's seeing that at that point in his life, when he's 80 or he's 70, he still wants to go back and change things he did. So I don't think we ever really finish. We never get to that picture perfect version of ourselves. So why worry about that so much? Be, be not perfect, grow, share that with people who are also not perfect. And hopefully that's, you said, hopefully that's that authenticity that um, is the value that I can provide people at least if they decide to listen to this podcast versus whatever else that they come across. That makes sense. I know like when I look at some of my posts from years in the past, sometimes I'm like, all right, that's cool. I see that. Or I'll think of like a joke or something or something that was kind of cool that I forgot about. But most of the time I'm like, oh my God, I care way too much about a certain topic. Like (laughs) some of my political posts, I'm like, oh, why did I care that much? And (laughs) some things make me cringe. And then sometimes you look at it as like, you know what? Like you said, it's growth. I know from this moment, good or bad, how to kind of navigate a situation, like if it arises, you know, going forward. And I think that's pretty cool too. Like, yeah, it's private. Like only you can see it unless you reshare it. But at the same time, it allows you to kind of like figure out how to navigate those, those waters that may arise again. And to me, that's pretty cool as well. Yeah. I think something that, that Chappelle talked about on of his specials, um, is a concept which I might not even fully understand, but he talks about truth and reconciliation. 
Um, I don't remember which. I think it was. Um, I don't remember which which part, which show it was. But it basically talks about how during I think in South Africa or in Africa in general they had this thing called apartheid, um, which a lot of people had a lot of bad, horrible things that happened that involved around racism. And I believe during the period of truth reconciliation, my, my brief understanding of it is that people had to admit what they did and what they did that took part in that system of oppression and, and basically hurting people. So that this, those words, truth reconciliation, which I get from that is, I think that's what he was saying is happening in social media is there's a lot of people that want to hide anything they've ever done wrong or anything they've said that was bad or anything like that. Um, and then now when we see that they did something, everyone's kind of like, oh, I got you. Let's destroy them. But then it's not honest because all that does is teach everybody to hide. And if we are growing and we're changing our minds, we need to be able to talk about those bad things that we did and how we learned and grew. Not just destroy everyone because all you're doing is teaching people how to hide better. So I think um, hopefully I think in the future we'll get there on social media and as a people where it's great that we are not accepting all these things anymore and we're standing up against all those things but we have to create some kind of space people can ask for forgiveness people can grow um because like you know we've all experienced it we we have that we look back on things that we did and say man i i might have been really passionate about something at one point i might have went too far but now i don't feel that way and that's growth everyone's going to have that so like when we when i think right now when we see people who do things they shouldn't have done some of them obviously are just bad people, but then some of them who maybe have grown or have learned, um, you know, there has to be a space for them to be able to still be a part of our society. And then, you know, again, because we all can treat each other the same way. So I think that's a good thing about looking back on something. I saw a post today for myself. It was like when I was like more deep in the church. It was 11 years ago. And um, I, sh I shared it today. I know some people will see that from me and think like, oh, but you're not in the church anymore. I'm like, yeah, but I still agree with that one idea, you know, that I had 11 years ago about it. But there are some other posts that I'll see from church, and I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't want to share that one. Uh, that's too churchy or something like that. Maybe that isn't. That's not really in, in line with what I'm thinking about right now. Uh, yeah, so it's hard to filter that stuff out and figure what it is. But I would love to see people be more organic and more transparent on social media. I think people would like social media more if it wasn't so fake, basically. I agree. I, I definitely think that like the 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 super polished, clean cut like appeal of Facebook or not just Facebook, but like social media is something that we all would like, but it's not real, you know. And, yeah. And, and that's where like you like you said the authenticity that we. Can you hear me? Aunt? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, you dropped out. You were saying that um, people appreciate the Facebook polish, and then your your phone kind of went out. So, what was your point you're making about that? Oh yeah, so I think like some people appreciate that Facebook polish in certain aspects. I know me personally, that's something I kind of grapple with. Is do I what I rather know, like you know, like I guess know like not my enemy, but like know these people or genuine and true to themselves, and they're just like outwardly just say what they want. Or do I want people to be kind of like, you know, give me like their repre representative or representation, wear their mask and do everything behind closed doors? Cause, and because sometimes it's better not to know. And sometimes it's better to know. And I feel like, you know, we all kind of want to have like the answers to everything. But that's something I've always think about, especially with like politicians and, you know, like these actors and, and you know, like, like celebrity, I guess you would say, like any kind of celebrity. Because whenever we hear something about them, it's like, People are so shocked, like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. 
for me, it's kind of like at this point, I'm so numb to it. It's kind of like, ah, not even surprised. Not even surprised. And it's one of those things like I almost wait for it to happen before, more so than I'm like shocked that it happens, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it, go ahead. And it's definitely, it's definitely a messed up way to think or look about things, but it's kind of like where I'm at now. Well, I mean, I think that's where a lot of us are at. I mean, that's again, to, to go back to him since he talked about the topic. Um, is you know Chappelle talks about how our generation really and you know us included, we just become numb because when we were younger, you know, if nine eleven happened, that was like a one time thing, and now it's like nine eleven happens every day, right? Not necessarily the same thing, but meaning that there's something that's going to shock your senses on social media, that's going to make you feel something, and then if that happens every single day, you will just get numb. Your, your body, your mind can't continue to process all this stuff. Like when you know all the horrible things going on in the world from, you know, from actual, you know, atrocities to war to then just things, you know, people doing bad things to other people. When, it's just no way that you can feel all that in your heart and then also love your kids, deal with your people and your friends in your real life. Like our, we are not emotionally capable of processing everything going on in the world all the time. But social media brings it to us right to our faces, in our eyes, with video sometime. Um, so it's easy for us just to start scrolling and go looking for the funny video or something else we rather enjoy or we get mad. And then like all your anger and energy gets posted online where you're like feeding into the things that you're getting upset about. It's exhausting. So I think yeah. it is something that people get numb to. Um, and I think that's that's the hard thing is like how do you, you know, control that? How do you decide, you know, I want to know what this guy is thinking. I want this person to be real. But at the same time, I don't want them to ruin the things I like about them if they happen to have some kind of ignorant thought. I guess what we would like to have as a society is everyone stop having ignorant thoughts, right? Like, like this should be shaping us and framing us to be better people. Uh, and that's kind of what China thinks they can do with their social credit system, where if we kind of if they, they were trying to basically force people to inc you know encourage each other to be better people online, which is kind of censorship. But they have a, an idea. They're not demons, right? Like they have an idea of what they're doing. They're thinking they can shape culture uh, through encouraging people to be better people, which I'm not, I don't know if they're going about it the right way. But I understand what they're trying to do. Like the whole Roseanne thing. That's an, that's an easy one I looked into recently. Um, I, I went back. I was like, man, what happened to Roseanne? Like what really happened? I went and deep dived back into that whole situation. And I guess the thing with that is crazy is like you see that situation. You see the things that she said. I think she said that she was on some kind of drugs or something like that when she said them. And it's like, yeah, that's not what we want to hear from you right now. Like you said what you said. Now you need to kind of talk about why this is how your mind works and why this could be something you even could say. Don't try to just hide from it because that's not authentic. And I think she ended up attacking the person that kind of like exposed her or whatever. Or like the other person like um, on the show that didn't stand by her, she like attacked her. I'm like, that's not the way to go about it. Like that's, this is why you're doing this all wrong. Um, meanwhile, I believe like Kevin Hart had a good example where he had a tweet that people saw was homophobic or something like that from back in the past. And then he went on talk shows and talked about, you know, oh, yeah. why why he said it and how it was just a joke and he didn't mean it. Because um, people have, people make bad jokes, right? We, back in the 90s, 80s, when it wasn't so offensive or we didn't know it was offensive, lots of people said things that they wish they could take back. But, like, we can't talk about that online, right? Because as soon as you admit something, people want to destroy you. So I think that's the thing where it's like, yeah, you know, and hopefully those are good examples. Like, with Kevin Hart, obviously, he's not destroyed. Um, he's still moving on. I think most people get what he was trying to say. 
where I looked at Roseanne, and to this day, she's still like, no, 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 that's not me. And I'm like, nah, that's that's not authentic. Like, you have to admit it. You, you did something wrong. Your, your brain doesn't just automatically say these horrible things without that being inside of you someplace. So you need to talk about, you know, what, where that was, and we can all learn and grow from that. But if you're going to sit here and just try to look squeaky clean, I think people just get turned off by that, and they, they then, then they justifiably get eaten alive because they shouldn't be doing that. I wonder how far we are from – Someone saying no, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna, you know, apologize. I'm gonna double down, and like we see that happen pretty often. But like not just that, but then you start seeing more people do that, and the next thing you know, we have a network of people that just refuse to apologize and double down. Where the shitty people all work together on one shitty ass network, putting out shitty content, even though we'll probably all still watch it. Look at the train wreck. I wonder how far we are from that point of happening. I definitely think that there's a space for that to happen. Like, there's going to be a business there. I think it's just difficult, like, how someone can go about that business. Like, because you need advertising dollars. That's how all these things work. So it means you need companies to be comfortable advertising on your platform where, like, anything goes. Um, And I can think of actually one or two businesses that would do that. But I don't think they exist yet in the way that they need to exist. Like, for example, I know there's some people that have found success on, like, adult sites, but not doing adult things, like promoting their businesses, their music, and stuff like that. Because on those sites, there are no filters. But yeah. that's, but you but you can't bring that into the home, right? Like, the American people aren't going to accept those apps and those websites coming into their home. So you need a place where you can do both. But you, but you can't go too far, right? Like, I, if I can't go on some app to see someone's extreme opinion, but then also be sitting there seeing some kind of adult content right next to it, that's you're not going to put that on your TV in your house. So I think that's, again, you have to find some kind of way to balance it. Like, how far is too far when you decide to let people do whatever they want? But I guess that's a business out there for someone who wants it. It'll never be as big as YouTube, but I definitely think there's a market. You, but again, like what Amazon proved with the whole parlor thing, that means you got to have somebody that can web host you that won't take you down. Then you got to build a platform. Then you got to find advertisers. And then you got to find content creators that know how to toe that line. Oh, so maybe it's might not be, it might be too impossible to, to get them all together. But if, if there's a Mark Zuckerberg out there for filth, like a Howard Stern meets Mark Zuckerberg, if that guy, if that kid's growing up somewhere we don't know about, if he can figure hey. that whole thing out, he'll make a bunch of money. You said A, Mark Zuckerberg meets Howard said, Stern. Man, there's probably yeah. like a thousand of them right now. <laughs> waiting, waiting for financial backing. The idea is laid out somewhere in cruddy ass notebook. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere waiting for that financial backing. Hey man, <laughs> only in America, right? I mean only that's again yeah, that's that's dogs, how these man. things can happen. It's just crazy Money that dogs. um yeah, I mean, if you can find a way to do it. I seen this one guy who had this um, website that was kind of like YouTube. And it's a shame because they, they put all their videos on YouTube about how they were building this website that was like the anti-YouTube. Um, and my understanding, I think like $2 million went into it at least. It was a popular YouTuber and some other popular YouTubers kind of got their YouTube money together. And we're going to make the anti-YouTube. And they built it. It was an app. You can download it. But when I found it, the app was going offline in like two weeks. I think that's how I heard about it. That it was like they were like they were taking it offline, and um, basically they just couldn't find enough revenue to to have um, the site to keep going. So they, they built the site. It was up, and all they wanted to do their idea was like the, the different way you share money. Basically, more money would go to content creators. 
Um, which again sounds great for content creators, but advertisers don't care about that. So like, why are we advertising on your platform instead of YouTube? So they couldn't get enough advertisers to really sustain their business model, and then it fell apart. But like the app worked. I was on the app for like two weeks. People were liking, commenting, doing all those things. You could watch videos. I was like, man, they got this close, and then the whole thing collapsed, and they were basically out of t- out of two million dollars, like everyone involved, uh, collectively. I'm calling so. it now. I know when it's going to happen. <laughs> Twenty twenty four during the next presidential election, it's going to come uh, up with some kind of platform. Maybe it's maybe just a web page. Maybe some kind of you know parlor two point Something's going to happen where people are going to be a little too brazen. They're going to be a little too loose of the lips, say what they want to say, and refuse to double down. And someone else is going to swoop in and say, "Hey, you know what? Bring that filth over here." We have an audience for you that wants that filth, that subscribes to your filth. I'm not saying what side they're on, but I'm I'm telling you, man, people are going to, like, you're going to be surprised. You're going to be surprised. I I just feel like we're getting to that point now. Like you said, like, not in, like, too much is not enough. Like, extreme is not extreme enough. And it it has to be somewhere where it's going to be like, yeah, so-and-so popped up and that's where they're at right now. Like, it's just going to happen. Like I mean another no another oh. business model that makes you think of is PBS. Remember PBS? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like PB, PBS is just supported by rich people, right? A few rich people keep PBS alive. So maybe that's a business model. Maybe they don't go for advertisers if they could just find some filthy rich people who enjoy filth to back their platform. Um, then yeah, you could have like an anti YouTube that exists off the money. Of some kind of slimy oil tycoon men or something. I don't Always know. Always out there. Always out there, man. They there's people <laughs> yeah. out there who don't have a, who don't have a moral bone in their body. Like all they see is the bottom line and those numbers. And all I know is from the last few years of my life, it seems like when people want to rally towards the cause, they will throw money towards that uh, cause, no matter what it is. And I'm I'm pretty sure, like people are going to get to the point where like. The, the norms that we have, the social medias that we have are going to constantly be kicking these people out left and right. And some of us want to say, you know what? Bring me all that, uh, all that support. Bring it over here. And all you content creators who subscribe to this filth, right here. This is where your filth can be uh, displayed for all of those who choose to see. It's going to happen. You know, it'd be interesting to find out how many of those people really exist, right? Because, like... When you look at like politics, you have like Republicans and Democrats mainly, right? And that's supposed to be like fifty fifty of the country, pretty much, right? But then like you'd know, like on both sides, not all fifty percent of those people agree exactly with the same thing. So then you have extremists, right? There's and I think it's harder to quantify on both sides of it who how extreme are people and how many of those people are really exist. What makes you think about that is um like the other day I was thinking of Remember Uncle Ruckus on the Boondocks would sing like really racist songs he'd make up. Yes. So Uncle I was watching Tiger. I was watching talk Tiger King, and Tiger King, um, you know Joe on that show, he has a lot of songs that supposedly had music videos. They have music videos; you can see them. But like, I don't think that his music got played on the radio. Um, but he had people that listen to his music. He also had like a Tiger Web podcast. He did or something like that, right? So I wonder sometimes, is, is it that maybe those things do exist? Maybe there are platforms for other kinds of extreme things, but then you and I don't go looking for them. Because even when I thought about that, at first I thought, well, maybe I should go search. 
And then I thought to myself, hell no, I don't want that in my search history. I'm not going to look for that. <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to end up on some kind of watch list, and Facebook's going to start recommending me things I don't want to see. I was like, I'm not even looking, right? So there might be a platform out there for those who are motivated enough to actually look. And then I wonder, you know, how extreme, how many people are there? Because maybe there actually isn't that many extreme people. That they would go that far. They can open and honestly just live on a platform like that. Like, you got to have some balls at this point in society to say, I'm going to be online and let all this stuff hang out. Because even if you make money on there, that's that's cool. But, like, good luck getting a job at, like, the top Fortune 500 companies. They're not going to hire you. Like, people get fired for everything nowadays. So if you're doing something online, there's two, there's two out there. I, I hope you have, like, a farm or something you can stain yourself with because the rest of society might ostracize you. Are you there still? I don't know if you're still there. I think you dropped out again. I got to keep it going. But, yeah, I mean, that's a good place for a commercial break. I'm going to drop out and see if Anthony lost his connection again and get back with him. Um, and then we get back. We're going to talk some more about uh, some important meetings I had this week that I thought were really cool. And also, what happened to Black Friday? That was another thing we want to talk about, how businesses are kind of changing the way Black Friday is being handled. I'm going to go reconnect with Anthony and get him back on the podcast after this commercial break. Hey, sorry about that. Nah, man. I was like, you know what? This is a good time for a commercial break. So I was going to drop out, right? <laughs> I'm getting good All at right, this. Cool. I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I knew these. Uh, I'm anticipating the technical issues. Um, <laughs> nice. But yeah, that, I was saying, you know, that that was the thing, you know, pretty much about that. Um, and I don't know if you had anything else to add in there. And then I also mentioned before the commercial break that we're going to touch on Black Friday um, and some meetings I had this week with um, different people. And yeah, just kind of keep it going. Yeah, we can do that. We can jump on other topics. Yeah, I mean, the other thing was Black Friday. I was really surprised about this week since Thanksgiving just went by. Like, I was actually, I actually ended up at Target on Black Friday to get, like, a loaf of bread. And I wandered in not realizing it was Black Friday. And I went to the whole store, got my stuff, was leaving. And I noticed the register. They had, like, all the registers set up for, like, anarchy to happen. But no one was in the store. It was, like, me and my bread. And I was like, what is going on? Like, why are you guys ready for this, like, army of Black Friday people? And there's no – why isn't anyone in here? Like, it must have been, like, 12 people in the whole Target. Um, so I was like I – was, that's why I, was, I think I texted you. Like, yo, what happened to Black Friday? Like, Black Friday is completely dead. Um, I was driving around, going around the city. I saw no signs of any kind of Black Friday activity, which, like, maybe six, seven years ago, it would have been, like, a big parade basically going around everywhere. And yeah, I was, I was like, it's such a weird thing how that whole thing shifted it. And you had a, a lot of good thoughts about that. It's definitely one of those things that like, I don't think you notice it until it's like right there in front of your face. Because I honestly didn't notice it this year either. I know normally, mm -hmm. like in years past, I will always have to work Black Friday when I work like retail. So I was always like in the heart of it. So I was able to see like firsthand kind of how, you know, companies were operate during Black Friday. I felt like when we were growing up, like, Black Friday was still a real thing. Like, I remember uh, the last time I felt like I actually went out and it was just store-wide, like, chaos for Black Friday was probably 2008, I want to say. And I was in Florida at a mall. And I was in a, a store, a clothing store. And I remember everything was on sale. And this was, like, a, a clothing store that was, like, really known at the run of time. It was, like, really big. I mean, even now, it was still pretty big. But it was one of those things, it was like literally everything in the store was on sale plus like additional 40% off. And I waited almost an hour in line for a sweater that was normally like $50. I think I paid like $12 for it or something like that. 
And it was yeah. just like, it was just like, it made sense. It was like, hell yeah, I'm waiting. I'm not like, I'm definitely doing it. And then as like, I guess, you know, the whole like online experience started coming around, then it started slowly becoming like less and less. And then once like, you know, Cyber Monday came around, it seemed like Cyber Monday was a big thing where people were in retailers, like brick and mortar stores were competing with. It's to the point now, like I told you the other day, it's like Black Friday is just a name at this point. It's kind of one of those things like we don't even think about because we're just so used to talking about it. But really, Black Friday is just another day. Like when I went shopping on Friday, the line was no longer to get into the Nike store than it would be any other day during the week. It probably saw like yeah. an extra five or ten minutes. Like there was no sales on anything on the outside of the store, like things that lined the walls. All the sales were in the middle of the stores and they were just on t-shirts, sneakers that kind of like, that wasn't like, you know, like, uh, it wasn't like deal busters or like the hot ticket items, but more so just things they had excess over, like ex excessive amounts of those sneakers. So it was like, oh yeah, these are our Black Friday sneakers. And it was kind of disappointing. It was like, oh, well, I guess it's where we're at now. Yeah, I guess like you say, because it's stuff like Amazon, it's like twenty four seven has pretty good prices. I know they also have a lot of stuff from overseas, like cheap knockoffs and stuff, which also you know work and are as good. Like I got some like Bluetooth headphones. I think they're like seventy five dollars. They're the number one selling headphones on Amazon for Bluetooth headphones, and I, they're just as good as every other name brand headphone I've tried. Um, so like, yeah, like there's, there's that, right. You can't compete with those people because they have different kinds of production that they do. So like when you, I guess you're a business and all year long, you have to kind of pay attention to your prices, um, for most things. Then I guess when Black Friday comes, you can't really afford to go down that much more in prices. Um, you know, unless you really plan on it. Like you said, like for video games, I saw like the biggest deal I saw was Assassin's Creed Valhalla was like $25. Like the only sale I thought that mattered but that game was out pre-COVID. So that's a two-year-old game. I remember people in my office, when I was in the office, were buying Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And it's just that they always keep it around, you know, $60, basically. That's why it seems like a sale, but it's not really that big of a sale. I'm sure it's been on sale for like 40 bucks every once in a while. So that was like the biggest sale I saw in all of games. I don't think there's another single video game I saw on sale. Obviously, there's no consoles on sale. You still can't even find most of the consoles. Um, yeah, so, every, I mean, I didn't see anything anywhere. And I think even with TVs, like, Walmart makes good TVs, decent TVs that are cheap and really big. So, like, I don't even see, like, big TVs that are, you know, the price is drastically slashed. But I also feel like anytime during the year, it's not that hard for you to get your hands on a big TV because it's not that expensive anymore. So maybe, like, that just changed the overall way we spend money in all stores. Like you said, well, online everything. And maybe Black Friday isn't as necessary as it used to be. I know, uh, speaking of Walmart, two things with the Black Friday thing where I kind of like, I saw like personally how it kind of changed. The first one is I remember when I was a merchandiser for a soda company and they had uh, multiple accounts and they had some mom and pop sold the sodas for, we'll say like $2. And then they had mm -hmm. like a supermarket and they sold the sodas for two fifty. And then you had like Walmart, who everyone wanted to be on their shelves. They sold the sodas for, I want a dollar twenty six something crazy. Time. I was competing with them. 
Like, there's no way that you can compete with Walmart. So if Walmart's having, like, you know, remember their big thing years ago was the yellow smiley face and everyday low prices, and they didn't have to worry about running sales because they already had prices that was just so much cheaper than everyone. It kind of became the... Undercutting everybody. And then you look at someone like Amazon who came in and said, okay, well, how about this? We're going to necessarily undercut everybody, but we're going to go right there at Walmart's prices and make it 24-7 available to you faster than everyone now you're getting to the point where it's like why am i going to freeze myself you know why am i going to freeze my ass off camping outside missing thanksgiving missing my family that i may only see you know a few times a year when i can sit on the comfort of my own home i can go to these places and i know everyone's going to price match them it kind of became a thing where they did it to themselves and as a consumer we just sit back and enjoy it and yeah I, that was like a big thing i noticed where it's like oh well this is this is it. Like, there's no more. And a real quick, another thing I think I noticed too of Black Friday, and that was kind of like when I was working at a retail store selling electronics. It became, I remember you made a comment years ago. I, I forget what we were talking about, but we were talking about Walmart. And you probably don't remember when, but I remember I'll never forget this comment because it made so much sense. And we were talking about how Walmart has all those cash registers, but not enough uh, people there. And I hated it. And I still, to this day, I hate it. But when you made the comment, it made sense. Walmart realizes you're already here. You already spend all this time shopping, filling up your cart, carts, multiple carts, whatever it may be. You're not going to just leave the stuff here. And that's what it is for retailers realize you already left your family, camped out in your spot of excess of an hour, sometimes up to five, six hours, whatever it may be, to try to get one of these deal busters, these door busting deals. You're not going to leave. You're already here. So if you miss out on maybe say the 10 TVs that was priced at $200, we still have 30 other TVs priced out at $300 or 40 other TVs priced out at $350. Maybe you got to spend a little bit more. Maybe it's not as pristine and as, you know, that one you came in for, but you know that you can't drive across town to another location and get it because other people are already there. So you're already here. Now you just might as well just go ahead and buy it while you're here. And it's, it really is messed up, but that's the whole model. It's like, you're already here. What you going to do? We got to at this point, go ahead and buy it from us. We don't got to give you everything you were looking for. We've got to come close enough that you that you know it's your stuff, and it may yeah. do. That's a good point. And you work in retail and stuff, and you're actually experiencing that. You have a great perspective on that because I never really thought about that. A lot of times when I've gone out for Black Friday, I have I'm looking for like smaller things, right? So I never even even thought about the people who are fighting. I never. I always wonder, like I'm never in here fighting over something, but I'm not one of those people who are trying to fight for those other pristine items that are like you said are limited and have a really low price. I'm always walking in like again looking for like a cheap movie or something. Oh, DVD is five dollars. Okay. You know, like, it's not, like, life or death for me. But I see people that, are, that, in those older times, go crazy over things. I'm like, man, what are you guys going crazy over for? I know it's always those really big-ticket items they're trying to get at a lower price. And you're absolutely right. Once they're there, then they got them. So I guess you're really, I guess, what we're seeing is the death of Black Friday is really people, the consumer, getting, getting a win over them um, and not having to deal with those tactics, which is great for them. Uh, I guess what I missed, I guess, was that going out and that the energy of like Christmas shopping. Um, I missed that. I mean, I, I feel like there wasn't a lot yes. of people in the store. Um, you know, when not being crazy, just you know, out, you know, Christmas music playing, which I don't even remember like if that actually happens in real life. I just feel like in my head, that's the memory and that's the nostalgia of that part. 
Um, and it's funny. I'm thinking like, man, these are, those are one of those moments where I'm like, my kids are never going to know what this was. They're never going to understand Black Friday. Online shopping is only be more prevalent. And they're not going to have a nostalgia for it because they didn't even spend their time growing up in malls or going to retail stores a lot. So they're not going to care at all. So by the time they're done, we one day will literally be old men talking about, remember about Black Friday? And our kids <laughs> will be like looking at us like, what are you talking about? What is that? Um, yeah, it'd be a whole a whole different world that they're growing up in, and it, these are the subtle ways I feel like sci-fi needs to be shown in TV shows. Like these are the things that really matter on how yeah. our world's going to change, and uh, it's never going to be the same again. It's it's funny because they had a commercial, uh, I think earlier this year maybe, and, and I forget like it was definitely a pandemic commercial. It was like highlights or it was like views of the past, and it was like that the year is twenty nineteen, like pre pandemic. Joe and like uh, Joe and Susie are on a date in a movie theaters, and it was like, <laughs> and it was like a thing of the past because it was like the whole pandemic. We were in the house, then we get straight to video. I feel like honestly, that's the thing now with like online shopping, you know, or shopping in person. Like, yeah, you do it because you're used to it, but just there's really no need to go to a brick and mortar store anymore, unless you need to try something on because you're one of the people who just like the feel of certain things. And I recently purchased something for work. Uh, and it was like, I thought I knew my size. And then I was just like, oh, it's so convenient. It's cheaper on Amazon. I ordered it. Well, it's too big. Now I can return it. But it's one of those things like any other time, like 10 years ago, I would have went to the store. And when I buy stuff, I always try to wait before I buy it in person. Like even online, I try to make sure that's the one I want. Like, I'm a very indecisive shopper. And I just ordered it. And it was like, it's too big. So now it's kind of like, all right, well, I got to return it now. But like before, you know, like you said, you go to the store, you try things on, you, you touch it, you feel it. That's not the case anymore. Also, I remember when I worked retail and my boss, who, who I love to this day, he's one of the most happy people in the world. But I remember he pulled up, we had a sales meeting once. We always have sales meetings on Tuesdays. And one sales meeting, it was like right after, thing, right after Halloween, he gave us these papers and it was like a chart. I forget where it was from online, but it showed Christmas music actually makes people in a better mood and when you're in the store, makes you want to shop longer and spend more money. And that was the thing where, like, you'll see people start really getting into the point where, like, soon as soon as Halloween over, you see Christmas stuff is up. Because it, they know it gets people in that jolly mood of shopping. And generally, yeah. you know, the rat race of buying Christmas gifts, like, oh, my God, I got to get this. I got to get this. You always want, it's like you never have enough. You never have the right one. So it's like retailers realize, like, yeah, put Christmas music on and people are going to shop. Well, online shopping now. I ain't got to come into your store no more. So that Christmas music just going to drive you and your employees crazy while you're playing it for 60 days instead of the 30 days because we're not going to be there to listen to it. Times are different. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that whole that whole experience is gone, right? And I guess, like you said, like from like, there's there's a lot of good things that come out of that. Um, there's the stress of going to the store, and I think the pandemic, like you said, really killed all that. Like all those fragile businesses that were still kind of a habit. I think it broke the habit out of us because for two years we had to stop doing it. And then obviously for our children, now that's completely dead. Those, those things aren't going to happen for them. So, um, and then, and then I, I don't think it's a coincidence that like we talk about then Facebook's coming out with this metaverse. Everyone's talking about their version of the metaverse and these online worlds they want to create. 
I'm like, hmm. So I do understand people sometimes when they're skeptical. I'm not saying it's true, but when they're like, hey, like, isn't it funny how like we were all doing stuff and then the COVID came and we all went inside the house. Next thing you know, we're living online with like VR helmets on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like it's, yeah, kind of happened at the perfect time, didn't it? Right? Or maybe someone orchestrated that. I don't know. It's so <laughs> funny. I was having a conversation today and we were talking about how kids don't hang out with the mall no more. Like yeah. going to the mall used to be like a big deal. And I remember when like certain malls had certain things that always kind of resonated with that mall for me. For Cherry Hill, I remember when the food court was in the back where the buses was at and that's where the payphones were and that's where hula hands were. And it was kind of like one of those things like that mall had that, it had that feel of the mall. You know, like it yeah. was just a different feel from like say Morristown Mall that had the skate park. A lot of people don't remember yeah. Morristown Mall used to have a skate park in there. And I thought when they got rid of the, the skate park in Morristown, I was like, ah, I wonder why they got rid of that. And now it's replaced with a Planet Fitness. There's a thousand Planet Fitnesses everywhere. But that skate park was the only one I remember in South Jersey. There's nothing yeah. significant about it. Cherry Hill Mall now looks like King of Prussia Mall. It's a bunch of high-end boutique or high-end stores where it's kind of like, I don't want to go shopping here. Like, I can't afford that stuff. Like, But it was like all the stores that I used to exist, like KB Toys. That was like a magical place. Size Walmart anymore. Like it's just there. There really are none. Yeah. Yeah, they they've taken so much from us and tried to give us more and more and more to the point now where it's like, well, you lost us. It's in a way like, yeah, my grandparents may still go to the mall, but I don't necessarily have to go to the mall anymore. That's not like a big deal. It's kind of like it is what it is. Yeah, I haven't been to the mall and I think years. Even before COVID, I, I wasn't really going to the mall. And now at this point, I don't miss it. And I don't usually want to go back to the mall. Again, like during the holiday, I thought like, oh, that'd be cool to go to the mall and see all the shopping and stuff. But now, like, yeah, usually I'll go online. Another thing I don't like a lot of times is when I'm in the store, I find myself pulling out my phone, Googling reviews and trying to see yeah. customer ratings on a yeah. product or seeing if another store has a better sale. So that's another thing. Well, sometimes you're somewhere geographically and you're wondering, am I being limited because I physically live here? Maybe I should look online. There's another sale. So, yeah, it's all these disadvantages to going out per person besides, you know, just seeing other people. Um, and we all know that's a mixed bag experience, right? Like that's sometimes good, that's sometimes not good. Um, yeah, and maybe those places have to go away and we don't need them. And I don't think it's, a, you know, a, an evil world where we don't have those things. I think it's just different. I think it'd be a lot more people to get jobs that are drivers instead of like being like people working at a cash register. Um, I think it'd be a lot of other people doing like Uber Eats and delivering things. That's the, that's the other one I want to get into is grocery shopping. Like I really want people to bring my groceries. Um, but I haven't really thing ever. tried. Yeah, have you had people do it yet? I haven't had anyone do it yet. Greatest thing ever. Crystal, <laughs> she'll, she'll do sometimes, because like her thing is she can't go grocery shopping by herself. I don't know why. And her and I, we shop totally different. When I go shopping, yeah. it's because I have a specific meal in mind or I need a specific thing. And it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to go buy that thing and I'm getting out. Whereas though like shopping for, you know, the month or a week or two, whatever. So it's like, her thing is an all-day process. And me, it's kind of like, hey, I'm trying to get in and out. Like, I don't want to be here long. So we'll do the, uh, sometimes we'll, we'll order from, like, you know, Walmart, like, curbside, where they bring the groceries out for you. Or if we're being, like, really lazy, then we'll have it, they deliver it to our house. And that got to be a situation where we don't need anything right away, because sometimes you got to wait the next day or whatever. But either way, it's fine with me, because I hate, 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 
the tedious part of going to a supermarket, walking up and down every aisle, checking it twice. I hate that. And like, you got to stop and look and you got to navigate through all the man landmines that are people that need to pick up a product, take a step back and read it, put the product down, search, search, search. I was like, oh my God, like, get me out of here. Like, I hate that. You know, wow, you know what? I just realized something when you said that, right? I have a friend, Charles, and he told me about three years ago about something that he thought was life-changing, and that was getting his laundry done. He pays, there's a service that, that comes to his house, and he, they pick up your laundry from, like, outside your door or whatever, and they take the laundry, they wash it, they fold it, they bring it back to you in these, like, nice little bags and give them to you, and all you have to do is put the folded laundry back in your drawers. And he was like, man, let me tell you, this like this like, gave me a whole day of my life back for a small fee because like for them to do laundry, I think it's always like a whole day activity. They don't and they don't like doing it like all the time. They kind of wait for it to pile up. Um, and maybe you know people talk about robots replacing jobs and online stores you know closing down brick and mortar things. Maybe the future are just highways full of Amazon drivers, <laughs> just people of those kind of services. But maybe like the roads would be reserved for like professional drivers um, bringing these things to your door. Because if you think about it, I mean, that's always been an issue. If you go to Target, you go to Walmart, people, the regular consumer, ruin the stores. They put things back where they don't go. They mess things up. They have things going everywhere. We don't need people in the stores, not professionals. We should have only employees in these stores, aka warehouses, getting those items, putting them in the places that we need them to be in, and bringing them to us. Why are we even in these stores, right? We don't need us there. <laughs> maybe maybe the, the public was the problem, and this might be the actual future that we're seeing here. So yeah, you're not leaving the house so much to go to stores. But then I also think the balance of that I can hear like I can hear like the the ghost of Pete talking. It's like, oh my God! Well, humans are humans need to exercise and they need to get out and be with nature. Maybe the balance is that you know instead of people kind of thinking they get their exercise or their human interaction from going to stores, maybe that'll encourage people to go outside and talk to their neighbors and other local people and get back in touch with parks and nature and stuff like that. Because I do think in the future, we're not going to be like in the movie Wally, where like everyone's fat, includes <laughs> the VR. That's always the extreme part of art. I feel yeah. like whenever, I'm like, that's the extreme. Humans will always adapt. So I think the other part might be the, a new renaissance of, because, you know, there's something I thought about. You know, I see, I saw the death of lots of major gyms. But as, yeah. as gyms die, yoga studios seem to be popping up everywhere for, like, the last 15 years. Like, yoga has only, I feel like, increased as not a fad at this point. I think yoga is a legit business, and I don't think their brick-and-mortar stores are going anywhere. They're smaller, right? They don't have a big, a, a big footprint, and people can buy memberships and pay, you know, good prices to go to these yoga sessions. Um, so I, I see yoga studios everywhere, you know, constantly popping up. And I feel like big gyms died. Planet Fitness kind of figured out how to, you know, economically balance that when people really need. But, um, yeah, I think I think people still want to be healthy and get out the house. It's just, you know, they, they also have other things like axe throwing. That's another thing that came out. Like, people didn't have, like you said, the skate park. People don't have enough good activities for you to go do. So instead of it being, you know, Walmart and Target on these retail stores, maybe outside there should be more escape rooms. And that's another business that seems to be booming. 
right? Yeah. People want to go out and spend money on an activity. If I'm going to go out my house, I want to do something I can't do in my house. I can't throw axes in my house, but I can watch a movie theater on a giant TV. I can watch a movie screen inside my house. I don't know if I need a movie theater to be the only place we do that. Even arcades died because online, or, you know, at our own home consoles got so good. So maybe you don't need an arcade, but like maybe places where you can play laser tag and stuff like that. Like those those venues, I think need to come back and figure out a way to reinvent themselves. Because I feel like when you go out, still there's not enough things to do. To do. Different. Yeah. yeah. It's just again, it's just shopping and eating, shopping and eating, and then I think those other stores are still in a little funk where like they can't really find enough footing. Um, or like maybe a subscription service, right? There's always everyone loves that, right? Give me fifty dollars a month. And I get like unlimited tickets to like five different types of venues in my city, and then me and my kids can go out and go to different venues. Look, another business idea, right? Someone else needs to do that, right? Some kind of like Netflix subscription service that lets you take your family out twice a month to go do something and work it into your. All, all this stuff is doing is helping people budget. That's really what we always needed, right? You just needed a way to budget your movie expenses, your food expenses, and these online apps help us do that. Really, you know what? I just thought of a great idea. Right on here on this podcast. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say it. And when I become uber wealthy and probably buy Amazon and then Google, this is where <laughs> it all started, all right? All right. People together. I'm about to bring old generation with the new generation. What's the problem with the old generation? Kids don't do enough. They want to sit on their butts, play games, and be on their phones all day, right? Problem with the new generation. All they want to do is sit on their butts and be on their phones, right? They don't want to go out and physically do anything and talk to people in person. I'm about to open up a business. It's going to be a room. Inside this room, I'm going to bring people together by signing up for a membership. And when you come in this room, you're allowed to use your phone together with other people on their phone. You can do TikToks in this room. You can do online Instagram on this room. But all it is is people dropping their kids off like a gym at the room. That's what it's going to be. I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a great idea. What do you think? I think it's a phenomenal idea. You know, you know what I always missed that I feel like, you know, you, you have to put into the world what you feel like it's missing. That's something I've been thinking about a lot this week. That's key. And when I was younger, I loved the TV show Power Rangers. And on the TV show Power Rangers, they had a community center. And when I got older, I thought that we were going to have community centers we can go to. And no that does not center. exist. No huh? community centers. No There's no community centers, centers right? What that? happened, right? How about so, like. That? I remember even like the Boys and Girls Club. I remember at one point when that came out, I was like, oh, I can just go in there? And like, no, you got to pay to get in there. I was like, well, I'm poor. I don't have any money, so I can't go in there, I guess. I don't know how that works. Maybe I just never tried hard enough to get inside there. But I was like, yeah, what happened to that idea that you can go somewhere and hang out with people? Like you said, a mall, like an indoor park, right? Because you can go to the park to hang out with people, but it's sometimes too cold. But then yeah, I think what always happens, like you said, the brick-and-mortar stores, they ruined it. If there ever was that... If someone was like, hey, you know what would be better than a community center? A community center surrounded by footlockers. Can we get fo- can we put footlockers around that food court? And then someone else was like, how about JCPenney at the end of the hall, right? And then they created yeah. a mall, and then it took away the focus from the food court and ruined it, right? So, yeah, now maybe maybe this is the balance. Maybe now someone come up with locations. What your employees do is make sure there's no harassment or fighting going on inside there. And the new generation is a lot more docile anyway, so I don't think they're going to act up like that, right? There's cameras in the room so you can trust that no no, no things are going on in here that your, your kids aren't supposed to be doing. And yeah, you pay some kind of membership, drop them off. There's a bunch of phone chargers at every single chair, right? Every chair has a phone charger. Chair. Yeah, and then... They're out the house, but they're interacting on their phones. When when yeah. everyone. And you could like sell like you could have like a place where there's like a drink bar where they, they can get like nice healthy smoothies or maybe you know they could have like one or two fountain drinks on tap too. 
Um, yeah, it made some movies in the background, something like that, some TVs, something like that. If you can figure out the actual business model and all the ins and outs of that, I think something like that could be cool. Maybe. Maybe it needs to be like um, a co-opted by a big corporation, right? So if maybe like Amazon's like, oh, we'll give you some money to run these establishments. And also there's like a kiosk here where they can shop online. Oh, okay. Well, may- maybe that's what you got to do, right? We've got to get somebody to help us pay the rent um, because <laughs> kids' membership isn't up enough. But yeah, I mean, someone can figure out a way to make that into a financial business. Uh, that's what I talked about earlier about the podcast. I'm like, this is what I love. You and me are spitballing these ideas. But everyone always has these kind of ideas. And I would love for someone to hear this if they came across this and steal the idea or whatever. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that makes the world better, right? Steal my idea. I, I realized that about TV shows. I was like, oh, you know what I'm doing on YouTube? I'm going to start pitching TV shows that I don't actually want to sit down and write. But all those other ideas, I'm just going to make YouTube videos out of them, like my pitches on them. So someone's like, where's the screenplay? I'm like, actually, I'm not going to write it. I mean, you guys can steal this idea, and um, you go write it if you want to, because I have all these great ideas for TV shows that I don't feel like writing myself. So, <laughs> like, I... Okay, go I'm ahead. sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Do you remember the show Quantum Leap? Yeah. This is I, a great I, I, example. I think I heard of it before, yeah. Steal, steal this idea, right? I'll be the anti-writer, right? All these writers are always afraid of their ideas. I'm going to say it right here in the podcast. If you make it to 45 minutes into this podcast, you get to steal this idea, right? I have a new take on Quantum Leap, and I'm so good at what I do. I actually have two takes. I'm going to pitch them both to you, right? Quantum Leap, you remember the show, right? Do you remember the show? I feel like I've, I feel like I've heard of it. Re- refresh it for me. So if anyone who doesn't know Quantum Leap, the concept of Quantum Leap is we follow a main character who teleports throughout time and space into other people's bodies. We see him online, or we see him in a TV show as he looks, but he sees himself and he looks in the mirror as the person's body he's inside of. So he's basically like a spirit, a spirit, and he's possessing all these different people throughout time and space. Um, and he doesn't know why. He's lost inside this machine that he made. But he comes into these people's lives and gets to help them change things or solve things about their lives and also as a character he grows for it so a great example of a quantum leap episode would be at the beginning of the episode um there's a little computer ai person that shows shows up to him and says oh this is why you're inside of this body and it's important that this white male actor that's at least on the old show right maybe he's inside of the body of a young black football player right and it's funny because he's a white guy. He's inside of a black football player. And the computer AI be like, yeah, you're inside the body of, you know, Johnny Williams. And Johnny Williams, actually, um, he was, like, assassinated or something like this at, at this point in history. So if you want to quantum leap again, you have to stop him from getting assassinated. So then he's in a situation where he has to face maybe racial issues, maybe political issues, maybe a family issue. Maybe it's like the guy, like, lost his, like, wife and he has to get her back. So he has to try to figure out how to do this. And then by the end of it, if he does a good job, he quantum leaps again into another person in the next episode. And it never ends. It's why one day you think he's going to get back to his body, but it, he never gets back to his body, I don't think. Um, and as he goes through the show, he grows as a person because he's learning from all these different perspectives. That's the show Quantum Leap. You remember oh, that show? Quick. I've never heard of that. I feel like I know the, the name of it, but I've never seen it. And when you was describing it to me, using that scenario... The only thing I can think of is if a white man woke up in a black man's body and had to face racial injustice in order to uh, go ahead to the next person, he would work his ass off in record time <laughs> to get out of that body and get away from that experience. 
So, so believe it or not, if you go watch Quantum Leap, which is like an early '90s show, I guarantee you there's racial there's racial episodes in that show. Quantum Leap was a great show, right? It, I feel like it's not remembered like the way it should have been remembered. Um, but I know I thought of it because it's on Peacock, and I had that meeting today I told you about with um with yes. the, you know I don't, I'm gonna get it I don't want to get into the meeting too much this week. Maybe I'll talk about it a different time. But um yeah, I was looking at I was researching the company, and I saw that one of the shows they were featuring was Quantum Leap. I was like, oh, this company owns Quantum, Quantum Leap. I was like, man, so like for this meeting, maybe I'll come up. I did this for like one hour. I was like, I'll come up with a pitch for Quantum Leap. I just, I never thought of it before. I haven't, re- I haven't considered this in my childhood. I was like, but what would I do if they asked me if I had a new idea for Quantum Leap? I was like, yep, I have it. I instantly thought of an idea like an hour, probably actually half an hour. So I thought of the same show, right? I was like, you can go two different ways with it. One, Quantum Leap starring Bill Burr. Right, Bill Burr is like fifty-year-old white Irish guy, right? And you get to have him go through all these scenarios. Again, the funny thing of it is, like, what would Bill Burr do if he woke up tomorrow and he's like a sixteen-year-old girl in high school who identifies as a man, and she's like transgender in high school now, but you're seeing Bill Burr in high school with high school kids playing out this whole scenario. What? <laughs> I'm like, this is must-see TV. Like, everyone would tune in to watch Bill Burr because, you know, he is he is him. So the beautiful thing about it is by the end of the episode, he's going to learn and grow, right? So he has his extreme opinions and loud old man views, but he has to wrap his head around it because he's inside her body, right? I was like, that's funny. I was like, but if you didn't want to do Bill Burr, if you said, well, we don't want the white guy because that's too obvious, the other guy I feel like is the equivalent – it's Chris Rock, and I feel like he needs a TV show, right? <laughs> <laughs> that works, right? Chris Rock could be it. So Quantum Leap now starring Chris Rock, where he goes through people's bodies. I feel like he's a funny like like comedian who understands now, but he also has a lot of like old man kind of jokes and old man kind of views on the world. Like, so seeing Chris Rock have to deal with some of this shit the younger people or people in different situations have to deal with and his reaction. Also, I think he has that ability as an actor to grow at the end of the episode. Both of them have that. Where, like, they're also good actors where they have hearts. So I, think I was like, yep, yeah, and that's Quantum Leap. So you guys should make that show right now. So I'm not, I'm not going to write it. So if someone else hears this podcast and they say, oh, I'm going to go like pitch Quantum Leap, I'd be happy just as a viewer to see that show come on. I'd be like, y'all came up with the episode with Anthony on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't That'd care. I'm just, I'm just gonna watch it every week now and enjoy it like a fan. I don't care if anyone steals that idea. Right, and then you get to an episode where they decide they don't want to jump over. Like, you know what? I kind of like this body I'm in. I kind of like this. Person. They wake up there, ah, yeah. or something, and it's kind of like, all right, well, this is actually a miniseries. Show's over. Like, yeah, yeah, work. you could do it like that, right? Or they, maybe have different actors quantum leap. Maybe what the, yeah. after one guy's done, the next season we have a new actor go through the whole experience, right? Maybe you have like, um, I don't know, like Kim Kardashian on season three, right? See her quantum leap through people's lives and have to like deal with all their shit. That's why I think it's so funny about the premise. And when I saw it, I'm like, man, they should be making more quantum leap episodes. This show should never have ended. Um, but for some reason, into, uh, Will Smith after After Earth, themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's interesting, man. He's another one too. Like he's another guy who I see. Like you see him living different lifetimes on YouTube and different things he's exploring. Um, yeah, I think this is such a fun premise. So I'm like, so, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'll do that. I was just pitch ideas on YouTube that people can steal. So it's funny because I'm actually uh, listening to his his book. Will I got the yeah. audio version? I've been listening to it for the last day and a half. I'm like two hours from being done, and uh, like it's so funny. Like I. The After Earth thing is like right around the time I stopped listening to it before I spoke with you today. I got on the phone with you. So it's kind of like I'm, it's like fresh in my head. 
And that was something I wanted to send to you because I wanted you to listen to it. Have you read it or have you like, heard about it? I saw that at Target yesterday, and I def- it's on, like, the front page of Audible. So I've yeah. seen it on Audible. So he, he talks about After Earth, or, like, what does he talk about in the book? Yeah, he talks about at- – so pretty much the book, each chapter, he gives, like, an emotion or a word. Like, one, one – uh, like, the first chapter is fear, and then it's, like, power, uh, uh, courage, you know, uh, disappointment, like, things like that, like an emotion or things that, like, you know um, – different periods of his life but he goes from like his birth growing up in like you know like in West Philly to like kind of how he was like this this uh African-American kid growing up in uh, going to an all-white middle school then he goes to like high school and the first days of high school get knocked out by some kid who punches him with a, a combination lock in his face because Will is trying to like break the ice and be funny and the guy just doesn't like that so he like attacks Will that's like his first day of high school Jesus. and then like yeah, it's like holy. Sh- I was like, holy shit! I didn't, know we- I didn't realize this was going to be. But he talked about yeah. his marriages, and he talks about like pretty much like his movies. And at the point now, it's like you know he talks about how the after Earth's part is like is is coming off of run that is unseen and unheard of in Hollywood, where he has like a ten year dominant streak of just like smash after smash after smash. And he rolls off the numbers. You forget how many record-breaking movies he had and he throws in the point this is pre-inflation so all these numbers if you usually equate them to today it's not even close to what it would be like you know for all this marvel stuff where tickets are like double the price now and like they're in more theaters now like his stuff was like up until like i guess pre uh like pre after earth because after earth is kind of where he bombed at and i see the thing with after earth is he hello i hear you can hear me I can still hear you. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So he talks about how, like, the After Earth chapter is really, you know, he talks about After Earth, but really is centered on how he realized of, of the importance of being a father in a real way, not just, like, a surface way of trying to, like, push the, the Smith machine because he wanted all his kids to kind of be, you know, like, these bigger than like figures because they grew up around you know the uh the business and they had access to everything but like he had lost the touch of his feelings and he wasn't really listening to his children or listening to his wife so he talks about how like the filming were after earth he always had like starting with Ali he had a system where he was like I'm gonna you know train the hardest I'm gonna focus on everything I'm gonna put myself in uncomfortable situations I'm gonna work harder than anyone else to, to achieve this goal. But he saw how, like... Hello? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anyone, anyone who's still listening, um, me and Ant are picking up again for we left off yesterday, talking about the Will Smith book. I am currently out and about um, doing a little walk with my son. So this audio, this podcast will have lots of different audio qualities to it. But I think the conversation is good enough to uh, to make it work. I agree. You guys are in for a treat, so bear with us. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was listening to it yesterday. I felt like we were having a good one, and then I listened to some of it back. And I was like, oh, this, these are good. You know, yeah, but I think a good – I think any good podcast is just a nice conversation between two people that, you know, if a third person walked up, they would want to sit down and listen to the conversation or join in. 
So I feel like this was a good – we had a lot of good topics, I think, this week. And, yeah, the Will Smith book, which I'm definitely going to get um, maybe in December, actually. I think I got an Audible credit today, actually, because it's December 2nd. So maybe I'll get it today. Um, and I love I, – I can, like – I went through Kevin Hart's book. I, I think I listened to two Kevin Hart's books already, 50 Cent's book. Whenever those people that I admire have one of those audiobooks, I'm able to get through it pretty quick. So um, you were talking about After Earth and how Will was talking about how he realized he wasn't doing – I guess wasn't being the kind of parent he wanted to be, as we kind of yeah. left off there yesterday. Yeah, so it's it's crazy. Um, I guess because let me start from just saying like the way the way we look at Will has definitely changed. I guess I want to say after Earth is kind of the point where everything started changing for him, and he kind of hinted at that a little bit because that movie kind of bombed like in a way that he wasn't used to or we wasn't used to seeing from him. Like he had these string of like just hits that you think about, you know, from starting with Independence Day all the way up until, like, you know, I, Robot, or I Am Legend. And it was just, like, huge box office things. And, like, it just seemed like there weren't any misses. Even his serious movies like Hitch and Pursuit of Happiness were great. And he talked about how his method for, you know, acting just changed, like, his whole process after Ali. Like, once he started doing Ali, he became more serious. Like, he wanted to be the absolute best. And he was willing to do whatever it took. Like, he took his trainer from Ali with him going forward, you know, to uh, create, like, a kind of, like, a a camp. Whereas, though, whenever he's preparing for a role, he just essentially, you know, he ran five miles every day at five o'clock in the morning. He ate real healthy. He, you know, made sure that he memorized all the lines possible. Like, he was just so in tune that he said that when he did uh, After Earth, he with complete 180. He made it like so relaxed for Jaden. Like they were in, uh, I think he said somewhere in South America where it was like a hundred plus degrees tropic humidity. And he said that he remember he set up these like air conditioner tents. So that way Jaden can go from recording to uh, like in the air conditioner without having to suffer the heat. And like the camp, everyone felt that it was just weird for him to do something like that. It was just not like, like his style. And he thinks because he was so soft on Jaden was because as a parent at the time, he was dealing with things where he was trying to figure out how he can, I guess, police his kids or parent his kids, not really understanding that he wasn't doing what was best for them. He thought he was doing what was best for himself as a parent. Like with his oldest son, he was kind of, he was really hard with, you know, his, uh, with his, uh, uh, with his daughter, he wanted her to be in entertainment so much that he had her when she signed her deal with uh Def with Def Jam uh or Rock Nation, he was more wrapped up into it than she was to the point where the only way she was able to stop from performing her song was because she shaved all her hair off. It was one of those things like now he's forced to stop because he was just so in tune with trying to be like this well-oiled machine of like you know grow his whole family into the business thing that Jaden absolutely hated acting. Like he said he didn't realize it at the time, but he was like when he looked back at it. The thing with like Karate Kid, he would go to the scene and he was always pushing Jaden to do, hey, why don't you do one more one more scene, do a little bit better like this. And Jaden didn't like how he always criticized him. He felt like when he walked on scenes, he sucked the air out of the room, which I mean, he was a larger than life figure when you think about it too. So with After Earth, I guess he honestly felt that like by him kind of changing everything that was his method of, you know, success the movie suffered because the, the role, the roles weren't that good. The acting was, you know, was it was. The story, his manager who was like guided his career the whole way told him he didn't think it was a good fit. 
and advised him against it. But he was so hell-bent on, like, having this, like, great relationship with Jaden that he just ignored everything and went against what he believed in. And it uh, essentially, you know, it kind of, like, fostered in a way where as though, in the end, Jaden blamed him for that. Because Jaden said, I'm going to follow you, what you're telling me to do. I'm going to follow it. And it was terrible. Like, he bombed and everyone criticized him for it. And he said he felt like he – I've heard stories. Like, he didn't really say it too much at that point. But later on in the book, he talks about how he fell into a depression because of something else. But I always thought that the whole – after that movie, After Earth, it seemed like the industry kind of looked at him differently because that was right around the time when, like, Marvel really started bubbling up to, like, taking off. And it seemed like he was – like, when you think about it, Will shouldn't have been in a DC movie. Will should have been at the forefront of one of the Marvel movies. But it was yeah. like years later, he somehow ended up in a DC role where it was kind of like not something we were even like weren't expecting. Like you think about it, Will should be in his mission in the same breath as like these like like Tom Cruise and Denzel Washington and Brad Pitt. That's why I thought this book was so interesting because it seems like we would never get the level of personal details and intimacy we got that we got from him. But he's just as big as them, if not bigger in some ways. So that's why I thought it was crazy that he gave us his book. But I still felt like it was some things he really didn't divulge on, even though he kind of, uh, like, it was a very upbeat book, but he was, it was some things he really didn't go too deep into. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Because I, I don't know, you know, how, how much he likes doing all that stuff. I mean, it still is still good to know and hear everything that he is sharing. Those are, those are eye-opening things, you know. I mean, it definitely makes sense that, you know, he he started doing it for different reasons, you know. And it makes sense you're trying to bring your kid in, you're trying to show him something. Don, Donald Glover was um the first one when he did um he did a mixtape, and the name of the mixtape I can't remember it because it was like a it's like a odd name. Um, I don't know. If, did you hear about that mixtape or did you see the one where like Jaden Smith is on like does like the intro to it? I feel like I did. Or or Jaden Smith is on the cover or something like that, right? Maybe a picture of him as a baby on the cover or something. Um, but I think uh, it's royalty. Actually, the album I think is royalty. Now the mixtape is royalty. I'm not sure. But the reason that he, the whole point Donald Glover was talking about was how Jaden Smith um, and Willow, how they are royalty. They're like one of the first examples of black royalty in America. Because their children being born into an extremely wealthy, successful family, um, and it's not something you see commonly in the black community. So Donald Glover had a whole insight onto that, and he got Jaden to like do the cover, I think. Um, and that was kind of just the overall theme, I guess, of the album. I don't know, but but my whole point is, Jaden was in a very new position because yeah, you are born. There are a lot of other kids, like Jay-Z has kids and stuff, and Kanye got kids, but they're not really at the age yet, where Jaden came into the age where he could do stuff in entertainment, and then he did, you know, and they, I think they both did well. I, I like some of Jaden's music. He's obviously had success there. He had um, success in acting, so there's a few different things that he had done, and I think people... um you know, we're, we're liking what they were doing, but then it's obviously there's a lot of pressure to kind of keep that going. I guess if he makes a movie and it's not as good as Will Smith's movie, then like there's pressure there. If he makes an album and doesn't sell as much as Will Smith's album, there's pressure there, which is pretty unfair. But, you know, that's just how people are going to talk. And then for them being so young, having to deal with all that, you're born into it. So if Will Smith wanted to rap at some point and he wanted to act, Jaden's brought into a life. 
like any kid who has to like go work at the deli with his dad or go like run the family business. He says their family business is making making big big blockbuster films and, and hit albums, which is a weird not a weird family business, but like it's hard to make sure your kids want to do that. So it's great that he is sharing and talking about you know the different challenges that presented him and how he made those adjustments. Are, are you finished the book yet? Yeah, I uh, it's like you said, like when generally when you have someone you're interested in, like I grew up like a, like everyone, I grew up a huge fan of Will Smith, and I think I blew through the book honestly just from like the amount of driving I do, and then when I'm at work, I'm able to isolate everything, and listen with my headphones. I want to say it was 16 hours, and I think I honestly probably listened to it a day and a half, maybe two days if that. Like I'm talking about, like I had this thing on nonstop from the point I left my house to the point I came home, and then to, like I guess that's. It was, it was like a day and a half I listened to the whole thing. Um, I liked it a lot. There was definitely some things I, I wanted to, I wish he would have uh, talked about more or topics I wish he would have touched on that he didn't. But at the same time, he gave you so much, like so much. And each chapter has a theme. And he talks about it from like the time he's born to up into the point where he jumped out the airplane on, on or the helicopter, I think it is, on YouTube for his 50th birthday. Like he goes through 22, I think it is, chapters or 21 chapters. It, it's, just, it's great. It, it makes you feel good. It re- reminds you of a lot of things. It, it lets you know a lot of things. Um, it looks into, you know, his life in a way that honestly is surprising. Like he reveals a lot about himself. And like, it's surprising to hear him say that because it's so honest. It's kind of like, all right, you like, this is, this is a lot. Like it's, it's great. It's definitely something that people normally do when they're about to die. <laughs> And the fact that, like, there's no science, hopefully, that this guy is actually checking out no time soon, but it's just so, like, intimate and detailed. It's like, all right, I can take it. But it is, like I said, there's some things I wish he would have just divulged on. But overall, out of 10, I would give it, like, an 8, 8, and 8.5, just because of how, how much of, like, he talks about how good you feel listening to everything. And um, are you subscribed to his YouTube channel? Do you watch any of his YouTube videos? No, I haven't. Um, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I've never... I don't really watch anything on YouTube unless it's something I need to learn about, really. I, like, I never really watch on YouTube for enjoyment, really. Like, battle raps, yeah, but, like, everything else. Like, I never go on there for, like, people's pages. And I feel like I'm missing out on so much entertainment. Yeah, I do the same thing. Like, I'm subscribed to, like, 700 people on YouTube. I don't watch anyone's video on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I think there's, like, two people that I've seen most of their videos. I'm Caleb, T- Caleb City is the only person I'm maybe not in like the last month or two. And he only makes a video like once every two weeks, every month typically. Um, but I seen all his videos. I went back and watched them all like during a drought. So I think I seen like all 300 of his videos. He's the only person. He's hilarious. Um, and he, but uh, you, ever, you ever heard of him? Caleb sitting? No. no. Oh my God. That's him to you. He's like my favorite person on YouTube, I guess. And but he makes all skits. So he's not like a person who's like always blogging or talking. Like everything he does, the reason it takes like two weeks because he does these skits. Uh, and I love him because he does his skits. He's the only actor typically, and he'd be having no props. He like, like for a wig, he'll use like a t-shirt or something. Um, but I feel like the skits are always really engaging. Like I feel like I'm watching a movie when I'm watching them. Like I said, I, I've, I've watched hours of his videos back to back, and it's different things, even like one story. Um, but he's a big inspiration to me, young guy too. I'm like, yeah, I wish uh, he started on Vine. I'm like, yeah, when I do videos, this is God like I'm like, yeah, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas. My YouTube videos are gonna be like Caleb City. That's the guy. <laughs> that's the guy that inspires me as a director and a creator. Uh, cause he's so funny. 
and he's got so many great ideas that he comes up with with like no resources, which I love. But um, yeah, besides him, um, you know, I, I, I do I am subscribed to Will, and I every once in a while, like like I guess like you, I don't usually click on the new video. If someone's like, oh, it's a new video. I typically won't just joke jump on it. Um, but every once in a while, I'll go on YouTube, go looking for something, and I find something. And the reason why I bring up Will is he's actually one of the only people. He has one video. One video I've seen about 100 times. I have, like, my little notebook I keep, my digital notebook that I put my whole life in. On the front page, there's one video, and it's Will Smith's video. Um, and it's the video where he talks about how he helped his brother-in-law break into the, mood, the, the, the industry, basically. Oh, yeah. So – did he, talk, did he mention him at all in the book? A little bit. Like, he didn't go into the details of with that. He just mentioned who he was and kind of, like, why. So he talks about his brother-in-law. I think his name is Caleb Pinkett. Pinkett. Um, exactly, yeah, yeah. And he talks about how, you know, he's a historian buff. And he felt like historian buffs probably make the best writers because they have so much things they can pull from, from the resources they can pull from just because they, they, they're they so well-versed in history. And he talks about how, like, he helped him develop, uh, I think, a script or write a script or something like that. But he didn't go too much into it as far as uh, the story with that. But, like, it's that's the thing. Like, I feel like even now, like, I don't want to make it seem like I'm nitpicking because I'm not. Because he gives you so much. Like, you're going to see, like, once you read it or listen to it, we can talk about it. He gives you so much. Like, the stuff I felt like he didn't give, it's like, all right, he's being, like, you're, you're kind of like, you know, like you're just nitpicking at this point. Yeah, that's what I was going to because like he, he the sense he now he basically YouTubes like a YouTuber. He gives out a lot on there, too. So like I know Caleb's whole story because it is like 10 minute YouTube video. So I guess when he sat down to do the book, there's probably some things he's like, well, you guys probably already know about that. If you like watch my wife's round table, she does. Yeah, we discuss that on that there. Was- yeah, and if you don't, then you then, then you don't then you're gonna miss out some of those details, you know. Because that was part of the thing that I was uh I was interested in, not necessarily like not coming into it. Because coming into it, I didn't know what it was going to be. I thought maybe he would only talk about the movies, or he would just talk about his home life. Like I didn't know. He talked about everything from like this domestic violence thing with his family and all that stuff. Um, so like I kind of because I'm sure you always heard like the rumor that they were swingers back in the day or something like that. And I was yeah. like, that can't be true. But I was always wondering if that was true. But I remember they kind of discussed it on the Red Table Talk, I guess, last year with the whole, like, entanglement thing. Like, they kind of alluded to it a little bit. And, like, I don't know. Like, you've never got a definite answer. So I was like, well, maybe he'll touch on that. Because he was, he was just going into detail with so many different things. I just thought maybe it was a chance. But, like, he never touched on it. And I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, it don't matter. You know, it really, it really don't. It doesn't matter. And the thing is, like, whatever works for them like he talks about that like their relationship is for them you know in a way that like they're together for life because like other things happen and they talk about how they're together for life like they already decided that they are like in this lifetime they are together so like it kind of leads to the thing like no matter what like even they are they aren't they're always gonna be together for each other which i think is kind of cool but i think their relationship is really like their relationship is really weird to me aside from like you know the whole entanglement thing i just felt like it just seems like it's exhausting from both of them at all times i guess they're both like two people who are constantly constantly like it seems like they're just too much like it's it's amazing to me that i guess that they're made for each other because if they're with anyone else it's like they would get the other person would get tired of them i actually mean yeah from like the things he was saying and i don't want to spoil it for you because i want you to like actually like you know 
like find out for yourself because I think it's pretty funny and pretty cool. But it's definitely one of those things. It's like, oh god, I'll get tired of her. I'll get tired of him. If like vice versa, like it just seems like they're both a lot. But I mean, it's one of those things. Like it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a great book. Like I like it. Yeah, and I mean, and that's a good thing, you know. Like with with both of them, you know, I actually, I actually like the way that they've been able to handle their whole thing because I feel like when that first, when everyone first came out, it was more towards the part of the internet when the internet was really controlled by certain people. Like, I don't feel yeah. like YouTube was there, Instagram. There wasn't that many voices or outlets where someone could explain something. So then when um when that happened, I felt like it was more like the media trying to push a story to, like, smudge them. And then when... They never, I don't think, really addressed it. I think Jada might have said something in a magazine once, like, y'all mind your business, basically. Um, I'm not really sure. But then when she did the round table, my, my understanding of the round table from somebody who explained it to me, which I thought was cool, is that they do that show to show people and kind of in a way, and from this almost this royalty standpoint, to show the inner city, the African community, whatever, however you want to look at it. Um, it doesn't typically talk about things. Show yeah. them how you can sit down and talk about things in your family, stuff that you normally you would hide and stuff like that. I thought, well, that's a real positive thing to do. Yeah, because, exactly. Yes, you know, growing up in the city, like, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, your family don't talk about. You don't get to see. So when they went on there and they had the conversation about the entanglement, I thought that was such a big deal because you don't normally see that conversation happen. And I'm like, that is good for younger people who don't know what it's like when you get married, who don't know the problems you're going to have. And now you're seeing these people that I think most people admire have this difficult situation and talk about it openly. Um, I thought that was, I thought it was really big of them. So yeah, like I liked it. I thought that was cool. And uh, yeah, their relationship too. Like you said, like when I look at it, they have all these things going on within that that whole situation. And um, I think it's uh, it's got to be a difficult thing to to handle that whole thing, and to see that they've done so well and they made that commitment to each other. Like that to me, I guess that's what marriage is really supposed to be: is people saying we're going to commit to each other no matter what, and kind of get rid of the idea of divorce. I know that's not like a real typical American thing to do anymore because people usually are like really down to get a divorce. But um, I, I think it's a it's a big thing that they did. And I'm always hoping that they do well and, and stuff like that. Because, again, I think when you say you like those people, then you always want to see them well. I'm on the podcast. I'm recording right now. Keep going. I'm out here. Keep going. Um, so, yeah, like, I always thought that was a big thing that they did. And, you know, and I'm glad to see that it worked out for them. Plus, like, there's a lot of other kinds of relationships that I feel like people get into in secret. Like, I'm not saying what they do or they do, not talking about them anymore. But like, even for myself, like, I've had conversations with different people I've been with where different ideas have been proposed. And, like, a lot of times when they're proposed, I do feel like people think you got to go out to that life in secret. So if you do anything outside of the conventional relationship, people always feel like that has to be a secret, which is weird because, like, it's just y'all too in a relationship. So y'all really should be able to do whatever you want. But society won't really let you do that typically, at least not in most circles. Um, but I have met couples and people who live life really different, but usually it's in secret. Almost to the point where like, oh, I don't believe that actually is real. I don't think that would actually happen. And then you find out like there's lots of adults living alternative lifestyles, but no one will talk about it. So it's like another weird closeted kind of thing. 
that goes on in just marriages because people are always afraid of that judgment of what's going to happen if someone finds out that I'm not doing things, you know, the way everyone thinks I'm doing them. So I think, yeah, someone has to go through that door first to open that conversation. And um, I think that they've done, they did a great thing by having that conversation. So I always admire anybody who's willing to expose themselves and put themselves out there. But I'm, I'm, I take it that he probably didn't get too much into that in the book, right? Uh, no, he does. That's what I'm saying. Like he talks about. Oh, him. okay. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's he gives you a lot. Like he gives you a lot. Like he doesn't touch on the whole swingers thing. He doesn't touch on the whole entanglement thing. But everything else, you feel like you gotta you gotta clear understanding of how their relationship works without him actually laying it out saying it. Like he talks about like you know like their ups and their downs and when they first met, and he just it's and to the point where he says like you know towards the end. And it comes during like a very somber like uh, chapter. I forget what he named the chapter, but like the uh, what he says is like you know I like Jada and I already decided that we are in this together for life. Like we are like divorce is not even like an option like at all. Yeah, so it's kind of one of those things that like you get to see like oh okay I see what's going on here and it makes it, it leads a little to the imagination. Maybe you know they aren't you know necessarily like they're together but they are separated maybe maybe you know they're they're not like it's just one of those things but like when you watch and you listen i mean when you read it or you listen to the uh book it definitely gives you a look into their life in a way that no other no other a-lister because that's what he's still an a-lister at the end of the day like he oh yeah no one else gives you that so like it's kind of cool that i'm on a podcast hello um like it's no one else does that so like it's pretty interesting to see that he does it I think the one last thing I'll, I'll mention before, like, you know, we uh, wrap up was that you talked about the control thing about how, you know, maybe that was like the internet that was kind of controlling the narrative. I always wondered after, after earth where the, like, is that, was that a way for them to kind of keep him out of all those roles because it did so bad and they were kind of waiting for it. He didn't mention it, but he talks about how he was upset about it and everything. I think from the Jaden aspect, but like, to me, I was wondering like, do you, was that a way for people to say, all right, let's see now we can find, move on to someone else. We we'll don't have to give Will Smith all these big roles. It might have been. I mean, when it comes to the industry in general, especially at that time, and probably still a, to a big degree this time, it's like if you're not making hits, then what are you doing, right? Keep going. No, you're not. Keep going. So everyone understands what I'm doing here. I haven't seen you put in a good one. So keep going. I'll come back and get you when I see you put in a good one. I haven't seen you put in any good laps in. So when I see you put in a good laps, then you can come in. I'll be back. That's my son. I have him out here running because uh, he needs to learn how to push himself on that David Goggins stuff. And I'm out here talking to you guys on the podcast, and I'm watching him walk around not doing any laps. So he come home like, oh, I'm done now. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're going to keep on going until you give me a good lap. So that's a little that's sidebar. That's the youth for you. Yeah, man. I'm like, nah, nah you got to gotta keep going. He's like, I was out here, like, I'm like literally in the shadows in between these buildings, like Batman doing a podcast and watching him walk around. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I reached like, he ain't even been out here for an hour. So he's, he's like, uh, I'm trying to come home. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got you to gotta earn it. So yeah. Anyway, with um, 
with that whole situation in Hollywood, it might have been a way for them to push him out. I mean, I know also with his, his, his uh, Overbrook Studios, he might have just wanted to start making more of his own movies. Because like sometimes, like if he makes a movie or anyone, if they make a movie and they get like fifty million at the box office, which don't seem like a lot, um, but it's their movie, they might be getting almost all of that money, right? And then if they make a movie where they're working for a company and they pay him eight, nine million or something like that to star in it, and then that movie makes seven hundred million dollars, he only gets eight, nine million typically, unless there's a deal worked out where he's getting stuff on the back end, which sometimes happens, but it depends. So 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 some actors, it's better for them to go more independent. They actually make more money uh, and kind of own and control everything. So I don't know if he just stepped away from it because he did make his own company. I don't know why he did Suicide Squad. Um, even in a DC movie, he didn't show up as like the guy. He's one of the characters kind of in the movie that's kind of at the forefront. So I don't know if like he got to that point in his career where he just wanted to do things differently and not do things the way that the people thought he should do them. Um, and it's that thing too, like he could have made 15 more Independence Days, but like at what point, like it's not even impressive anymore uh, you know, to people, like you just get used to it. So I guess it's like kind of a thing where like you talk about people's success and it's inevitable. You're going to talk about when they don't seem as successful because like if they're just doing 55 hits back to back, like you're not even impressed anymore, right? Like you look at somebody like Robert Downey Jr. who I don't know how many films he's made in between the Iron Man that's grossed really, really high numbers. But if you look at just the movies he made with Marvel, he's made a ridiculous amount of money for Marvel. So you could look at that and be like, well, he's like the greatest actor that ever lived. And I don't even think he would say that, even though I think he is a great actor. I think he'd be like, yeah, it's kind of a whole team effort here. But that did take up most of Robert's career. So I don't know, like, I, like how much is enough? Because I know, like, Robert Downey Jr. did a movie in between, I think, called The Judge. And you look at that, you're like, why would you do that movie in between Iron Man? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, like, he, he read the book, and he loved the book, I heard. So then he wanted to make that movie. So it wasn't even about the money at that point. He just wanted to do it. And he's got the money. He's got Iron Man coming in. For a lot of them, they got into those franchise roles. Um, I think Matt Damon might have had a similar story where I think he did the Bourne series because his agent came to him and was like, yeah, like everyone who's a big actor has to have a franchise now nowadays, basically. So you can do movies in between you really love, but then you kind of got to do these other movies to, you know, in a way, pay the bills or keep your name kind of relevant. So maybe Willis didn't want to do that. He maybe had a whole entire career before the Marvel movies kicked off and he didn't feel like he needed to do another 10 years. You know, he said the kids are in the picture now and stuff. So. I don't know. It's, it's, as being outside of it, obviously we can never tell. But as fans, we speculate. And um, either way, I hope that you know they, they're doing good and he's happy. I think he found a whole new level of success too on YouTube. I know he's got more than a million followers on there. I'm sure money comes in from that. And I think he makes really good quality content for YouTube because he has some people around him that are helping do the production. So there's good like special effects and cartoons and stuff that you don't normally see on YouTube. So the content he provides has a little bit higher budget too than I think you normally see from YouTube. And it's all always positive and motivational and stuff like that. That's why I watch the Kayla video all the time because um, it's a great story. I would recommend that one, if not any of the other YouTube videos, is um, when he talks about how he helped his brother-in-law or basically he basically presented challenges and his brother-in-law had to reach these challenges to prove that he was ready for Hollywood. It's a really great story. And the video itself is good. 
But I love it because he also gives a lot of information. He tells him specifically what he asked him to do, specifically the books that he told him to read. Um, so as a screenwriter, since Caleb wanted to be a screenwriter, um, I love that video because there's like literally like 13 books they list off. Um, and yeah. I have a few of them. He mentioned them. He was going through like the names of some of them books. And I'm like, what the heck? But like he uh, he talks about that at one point where he did he went away and kind of isolated himself and read and like list all these books or whatever so that's probably kind of like around the same time that was going on because he doesn't really give like a year by year frame of what uh of when stuff is happening with the chapters it just kind of like you can follow along but like towards the middle or towards the end it starts getting a little murky as far as like well what's going on here or when's this happening when's this happening like you use the movies and the shows and stuff to to give you the time frame but towards the end it's kind of like a little confusing but that's that's interesting you said something about the 13 books because he, he definitely mentions a long list of books and he talks yeah. about how like he he implements them in like his everyday life as far as like you know with the books whatever so that's pretty cool that uh you were able to like notice that yeah yeah so i'm looking forward to the audiobook you know i mean definitely going to check that out as soon as i can um i got a few other audiobooks too that i'm going through right now i'm actually reading one of the books um, that he mentioned. Uh, I have an audiobook for it. I think an audiobook came out for it. And also, like, those authors have written other ones. So, like, the one guy who does Hero of a Thousand Faces, which Pete has, or Pete's parents have. I was at his house doing the podcast, and he had Hero of a Thousand Faces on, like, the coffee table. I'm like, why are you reading this? Like, this is, like, something screenwriters usually read. Um, but it was about, it's about mythology. So I guess Pete's dad or maybe Pete, somebody had it in the house reading it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's cool. But then that guy, he had another book, another audio book series he did called The Power of Myths, like one through six. And pretty much it's like, it's like at the end of his career, he's talking about the books he read, kind of like recapping them. But he, it's like a long interview, like, like, like eight hour interview, basically. So it's like they made it into an audio book. So they like, oh, I could pick it up. You know, so like, I'm driving, like you were saying, like, it's easy for me to get through content that way. Mm-hmm. When I got to sit down and read the books, um, it's harder, I guess, is because, like, I'm doing a podcast with you and watching my son run, right? I'm like, <laughs> like I got to actually, I got to always juggle things, right? You know, you know how it is. Yeah, but, definitely. But yeah, man, I think that was a great, great way to end the podcast this week. Um, that's everything I have for it. Did you have anything else you wanted to say before we went? No, nah, that was kind of it. Just, uh, yeah, I feel like people are really going to enjoy this one because there's a lot of uh, ranging topics, and I feel like we really jump into them like deep. So you'll get a you'll get a good amount of information. No, nah, man, yeah, thank you so much for sticking with me and getting these getting these all done. I know we had to do them as we're moving about this week, but I love it because we stuck with it, and now you know I'll, I'll upload it in like a few hours, and it'll be out there today for Thursday, and then we keep moving on through all the weeks. Sounds good. All right, man. Well, you have a good night. Thank you so much. No problem. I'll talk to you. All right, man. Everyone else, thank you for listening to the podcast. Take care.